What's up, Victory Hamilton Mill? All right. Man, it's so good to be back in the building. It seems like forever since I've been here. The last time I preached here was in 2019. It seems so long ago. I'm excited to be here today because I believe God is going to do something special. First of all, hey, I want us to give it up for your pastors, Pastors Randy and Sherry, as they're taking some much-needed rest. But I'm here today because I have a level of expectation in me today, man, that I just want y'all to bear with me because I may get a little, little excited. Hopefully I don't get too pushy, but I want you guys to receive what God is talking about today because we're still in this series, Emancipating Greatness. How many of you have enjoyed this series? I don't know about you, but I feel some things stirring in my heart. I feel like God is uh, raising my level of expectation, and I believe he's going to do that today with us. You know, we've been in this series, and we've uh, been talking about emancipating greatness, and we started out, uh, started this series three weeks ago, or four weeks ago. This is the fourth week, and last week, we talked about the reason why, because next year, we're going to step into a season of reproducing. We're going to be talking about reproducing, and what that looks like is some of you are going to be launching out into some new things, some new businesses, some new ministries, some things that God has called you to so that you can accomplish what God has uh, put into your heart, which means this year, which Pastor Sherry talked about last week, is that we have to get healthy. We have to get healthy this year because when we reproduce, we want to reproduce health. We don't want to reproduce unhealth. And so my job today is to encourage you, encourage you to step into a place of emancipating greatness that as a church, we can see what God wants to do in us and through us and accomplish everything that he has assigned us to do. If you believe that you have an assignment from God, I want you to just raise your hand. Now, look, if your hand is not raised, here's what I want to encourage you. You have an assignment from God. Your purpose on this earth is to glorify his name and bring out the greatness that God has placed inside of you. Just in case no one has ever told you before, there's greatness inside of you. Say this, there's greatness inside of me. You have to agree with that because if you don't agree with that, our job can't begin. And this is the last weekend of the series, but this is the beginning of the journey. We're just beginning this journey. So here's what I want us to know. Many of us have been living too low for too long, way too low. God is calling us to step into the high call of Jesus Christ. And we have to do that because the idea is this, is that God has placed you on this earth to accomplish what he's called you to do. Here's what we begin with. Um, that we have, we are the Imago Day, and we have the Missio Day, as Pastor Johnson launched this off with, which means that we are the image of God according to Genesis 1 and 27 and Genesis 1 28, that we have a mission from God. So I want to read that for you real quick as we kind of set this up today. Uh, Genesis 1 and 27, it said, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's the, that's the image of God. Genesis 1, 28, the mission of God. God blessed them and said, be fruitful 
and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. But here's the problem. The problem is that all of this got disrupted in the garden. You know, the enemy came in, old Satan, the devil. I call him Lucifer because he's already lost. He came in and he deceived Adam and Eve, and he caused them to give up their authority and their dominion. But Jesus came so that he could get, get us back into the image of God and also get us back to, into stepping in the mission of God. Jesus did not come and die on a cross and suffer, on, suffer under the uh, Pontius Pilate, crucified, die on a cross, raised from the grave on the third day, just so he could give us a bunch of don't do's. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came according to John 10 and 10 so that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Abundantly. And here's, here's what you need to know. And when we talk about abundantly, that word in the Greek, it's talking about that you can have more than what's expected, that you can have greater so Jesus didn't come so that you can have a me mediocre life. He came so that you can live a greater life, a greater life in him. Now, I'm not talking about greater life as you live in your best life now. I'm saying a greater life because the greater one lives inside of you and that you can be on mission for God to bring many sons and daughters into glory with you. Amen? You know that people are the apple of God's eye? That God, got, God has your picture in his wallet. That you're his son and you're his daughter. And just like you with your sons and daughters, don't you want your sons and daughters to succeed? Don't you want them to be successful? God wants you to be successful in everything that he's placed inside of you to do. So we have to get on mission while God helps us emancipate the greatness in our lives today. So look, here's the thought. Pastor Johnson has been saying this from in our meetings. He's been saying it in messages. Anytime I'm with him, he keeps making this statement. It's, it's a statement, a quote from St. Irenaeus that says, the glory of God is man fully alive. Think about that. When you're fully alive, the glory of God is upon you. When you're fully walking in what God has called you to do, God is going to emancipate greatness, not just in you, but in all of the people all around you. Because here's the idea. Greatness is confidently expressing the gifts God put in you for his glory around you. So here's the idea today, though. I want to make sure we get this, because if we don't get this aspect of emancipating greatness, we will not be able to walk fully in what God has called us to do. In order for us to walk, in fully, walk fully in what God has called us to do, we can't do it alone. We can't do it solo. So today we're going to talk about becoming a community of greatness. Everyone say that with me. A community of greatness. So as we close out this series, I want you to know that community uh, that greatness happens in community. We know uh, what happened in Genesis 2 and 18. 
God created all of the fish of the sea. He created the sky. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. He created everything, and then he made man, and he made this statement. Genesis 2 and 18. It's not good that, that man be alone. It's not good that man be alone. Now, that word for man is, uh, when we talk about that word for man, that, man, that word is Adam. It's mankind. It's not just Adam himself, but it's mankind. So God is not just saying this according to marriage. He's saying that it's not good for people to be alone. Any of us. It's not good that we are alone in this world because God has intention for us to do things together. I want you to read, hear this statement from John Wesley. He said, there is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. Think about that. There's nothing more unchristian than a solita solitary Christian. Now, in this season, though, you know, we've been in this season with COVID. Um, ISIL, how many of you are just tired of this stuff? I know I'm sick and tired of it. You know, I find myself breaking all of man's rules. I'm hugging people. I'm breathing on people. Because I'm just naturally, I'm just grav I just gravitate towards people. So don't get too close. I might hug you. But when we think about this, isolation has become the antidote for self-preservation. People are self-preserving through isolation. But if we're going to accomplish what God has called us to do, we're going to need community. We're going to need people. If you're going to thrive... You need community. So in order for us to understand how to become a community of greatness, there's three things that we need to know. And number one, we have to understand that we are called to rule together. We're called to rule together. One, Genesis 1.28, it said, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign. Everyone say reign. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now, this word rain in Hebrew is radah. It means for us to rule. It means for us to have dominion. And I want you to notice that this word is imperative and it's plural. That means that it's a command and it's meant for multiple people. It's meant for everybody. It's just not a command for Adam. It was a command for mankind. So if we're in the South, it would sound like this. Y'all have dominion over, over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and everything that scurries amongst the ground. So he's saying to us that I intend for my body to rule. I intend for my people to to rule, but I want you to notice what it did not say. It's one thing humans are never called to rule over, and that's each other. So here's, here's the idea. If it's not a fish in the sea, if it's not a bird in the sky, if it's not something that scurries, you're not meant to rule, you're, you're not meant to rule over it. And I know, and I know some of you uh, husbands, I want to just ask you a question. Is your wife a fish of the sea? Somebody said, well, I caught her. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Wives, is your husband something that scurries on the ground? And I know you're thinking, well, he, he is kind of beastly. No, no, we're not called to rule over each other. 
We're called to rule together. We're called to be on mission to subdue the earth together. And that's not just husbands and wives. That's us as believers. We're called to bring forth the kingdom of God in the earth together. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Someone say amen to that. So we're not called to rule over each other. We're called to rule with one another. This is why when you look through the Bible, you can see that amazing things happen when people partner with each other. Moses partnered with Aaron, and they did great things. Joshua, he needed Caleb. David, he needed Jonathan. Paul, he had Silas. Peter, he had John. Even Jesus, when he sent the disciples out, he sent them out two by two because he understood that two people together can produce much more. It reminds me of a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. It says this. It says two people are better, than, better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Have you ever been alone and got into some real trouble? How many of you have ever got into some real trouble? Y'all scared to raise your hand. Everybody know y'all. Y'all get into some trouble. You know, it reminds me of that old Life Alert um, commercial that we used to see. You know, when the lady is laying down like this, like literally she's laying down on the ground like this, and she says, I've fallen and I can't get up. And I'm on the other side of the TV. I'm looking like, lady, all you have to do is just pull your arm back and push up. But oftentimes when we fall and we're alone, we have no one to pick us up. Some of you, you're alone and you're wondering why my life is going down. It's because you don't have anyone to partner with in life. It goes on to say this. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So here's what I'm saying. When we join together and rule together, something special happens. We experience exponential power. We multiply our efforts. We experience exponential growth. That's what happened when we joined together as a people. That's why the scripture tells us that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight because we multiply, multiply our energy and our efforts when we join together. I want to I read uh, a couple of uh, small statistics statistic for you. You know, when you think about geese, you know, geese flying in formation, they, they increase their range by approximately 70% because of them flying together. Think about a horse, a horse. One horse can pull 4,500 pounds, but two horses can pull 12,000 pounds. And then if you have four horses, you can pull 30,000 pounds. You see how, how that growth and how that's exponential. I want you to think about it this way because I believe this will hit close to home when it comes to some of you who have an entrepreneurial uh, gifting and a spirit. When it comes to the endeavors that you have, the plans that you have. Here's what I know. 
It says this. It says, if you partner, if you come along some, alongside with someone else and you join with them, that studies have found that you're 65% more likely to complete a goal if you commit to another person. And you're 95% more likely to complete a goal if you establish a partnership. Some of you need a partnership today. Some of you need to partner with some people so that you can accomplish what God has placed in your heart, so that you can achieve what God has put inside of you to do. So when we, when we talk about emancipating greatness, we're saying two people, two or more gather. We're talking about two or more gathering. Like Jesus said, if two or more gather in my name, I'm there in the midst. So I'm saying to you, when you partner with people, Jesus comes in and he produces greater inside of you. He produces is greater inside of us. We need to be a community of greatness. Chuck Swindle had this, had this comment to say. He said this. He says, nobody is a whole chain. Each one is a link. But take away one link and the chain is broken. Nobody is a whole team. Each one is a player. But take away one player and the game is forfeited. Nobody is a whole orchestra. Each one is a musician. But take away one musician and the symphony is incomplete. You guessed it. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. To make this thing called life work, we got to lean and support and relate and respond and give and take and confess and forgive and reach out and embrace. Since none of us is a whole independent, self-sufficient, self-sufficient, super capable, all-powerful, hot shot, less quick acting like we are. Life's, life's lonely enough without our playing that silly role. The game is over. Let's link up. Somebody say amen to that. You know, Batman was better with Robin. Jordan is better with Scottie Pippen. TB12, Tom Brady is, is better with the Gronk. Amen? How many of you believe Tampa Bay is going to pull it through? Somebody. I, I used to didn't like Tom Brady until he went to Tampa Bay. I just don't like the Patriots. Some of you guys up there, I, don't, I just don't like you guys from the north sometimes. But no one knew about this. No one knew about, knows this, this formula better than LeBron James. As you can see, LeBron James was better when he took his gifts to Miami with Dwayne Wade. Then he went back to Cleveland with Ty, uh, Kyrie Irving. And then he went all the way to L.A. with Anthony Davis. What LeBron understood is that two is better than one. Two superstars is, are better than one. We can win championships together if we partner with people because there is greater in someone else. And when I connect with you, I can become great just like Jesus called us to be great. That's what he's saying to us. We are called to rule together. So number one, we're called to rule together. But number two, when it comes to becoming a community of greatness, we're called to affirm each other. We're called to affirm each other. So I want you to notice this about Adam. The first words out of Adam's mouth was words of affirmation. Here's what he said to Eve. He said, you're a bone of my bone and you're flesh of my flesh. Here's what he was saying. He was saying, Eve, you're made of the same great stuff that I'm made of. When I look at my wife, my spicy barbecue rib, that's what I call her, <laughs> I realize she's made of the same great stuff that God made me of. 
So I'm not in competition with her. I'm partnering, partnering with her. So I'm going to affirm her, and she's going to affirm me. Husbands and wives, you're affirming each other. You're affirming your children because they're made of the same great stuff. When God put his spirit inside of us, what he said to us is that greatness is inside of us. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. You remember what he told his disciples? He said, the works I do, you'll do also and we got some we got some Bible believing Christians on the third row to the right. Greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. Do you believe that? So when we're talking about emancipating greatness, we're not just pulling up, pulling out some self-help seminar. We're saying we're using the same words Jesus used for you because he has something that he needs for us to do in the earth. I want you to know this. Affirmations is affirmation is the cultivation of greatness in others. Affirmation is the cultivation of greatness in others. You want to see people come alive? Give them some affirmation. There's enough in the world that's tearing us down. Everywhere we go, people are telling us we can't do this. We can't do that. You're not good enough. We're, we're a part of cancel culture. Everyone's canceling everyone. When are we going to affirm some people? Some of, us need to, some of us need to just practice affirming each other. You know, when, I, if, when I'm messed up, I don't need my wife telling me, man, you are lower than dirt. If I burn down the house, I don't need her coming in, honey, you burned down the house. I just need her to say, hey, hey, babe, at least the garage is still standing. <laughs> Come on, find something to affirm. You got to look inside of people. You got to notice the greatness in people sometimes. We're too quick to notice what's wrong. Walk into a room. Walk into a room and notice what's right. Look at a person in their eyes and notice what's beautiful about them. Notice the greatness that is inside of them. We have to be a culture of, of affirmation. We have to become a kingdom culture of affirmation in order for us to realize the greatness that God has placed inside of each and every one of us. Turn to somebody and say, there's greatness inside of you. Amen. Here's, here's my question, though. Sometimes I wonder, what, what makes it so hard for us to affirm? What makes it so hard? Sometimes it's hard to affirm because we discourage differences and we celebrate sameness. When things are different, when it's different than what we like, we discourage that. When people are different, we, we just don't like it. But when it's the same... We applaud it. I want you to know that the body of Christ are, is made up of many different types of people with many different types of assignments and many different methods on how we are supposed to accomplish it. We don't all preach. We don't all sing. We don't all lead. We don't all start businesses, but some of us do to make up the whole so that we can accomplish the massive, the massive plan that God has for the earth. When I think about that, I look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, and I want you to hear this because it's talking about all the different varieties, the differences that we have. Look at it. Look at what it says. Verse 4, it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties, varieties of service, 
but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Now, listen what I'm saying. Look, there's different gifts. You don't have the gifts that I have. I don't have the gifts that you have. You don't serve the way I serve, and I don't serve the way you serve. We're not going to always have the same outcomes. But what I know is, is that you can reach someone that I can't. And I can reach someone that you can't. And that will help us to reach everybody that God called us to reach. That's why, that's why Paul said this. He says, one man waters. I mean, one man sows, another man waters, but God gets the increase. So it's not about how we do it. It's about us being on mission, mission and accomplishing and doing it the way that God called us to do it so that God could get the increase. How many of you want God to get the increase? Because if he gets the increase, he gets the glory. Amen? I, I think about this also, Ephesians 3 and 20. Um, oftentimes when we read this scripture, you know, the scripture that says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, oftentimes we, when we read that, we make, it, we, we make it personal and we individualize it. Notice that it, said, it didn't say according to the power that workers, works in you or me. It said in us. When God is trying to do something in the earth, it's bigger than one person. It's always bigger than one person. Mother Teresa said this. She said, I can do what you cannot, and you can do what I cannot. Together, we can do great things. Together, we can do great things. I believe that there's some people in this room right now that God is calling you to do great things, but the issue has been that you've been trying to do it alone. You've been trying to do it alone. I'm saying we need to partner with some people. We need to affirm some gifts in some people so that people can come alive. So we have to embrace our variety, embrace our differences. Why don't people affirm? The other reason is because we get caught up in the comparison game. We compare ourselves to, to each other. You know what happens when we continue to compare ourselves to someone else? We either get lower, 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 or we get higher, higher, and higher. Either we have a superiority mindset or an inferior mindset. What, I love this, uh, this quote by Teddy Roosevelt. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. Somebody need to say amen to that on this side right here. Comparison is the thief of joy. Now, I'm comparing y'all to the other side. Forgive me for, that. Forgive me for doing that. But it's the thief of joy. It's so hard. It's so hard to celebrate what God is doing in somebody else when you're pitying yourself. It's just so hard to do that. But if you can embrace what God is doing in someone else, that you can embrace the treasure in someone else without always looking at the trash in yourself and embrace the treasure that you have inside of you, we can partner with people and we can accomplish something that we've never seen before. I know we cry out for revival all the time. We want revival in the church. One of the things that I believe needs to happen for revival to happen is affirmation. When we see a gift in someone, when someone gives a word, we need to affirm that word. You know, when someone sings a song, if they can sing, you need to affirm that, affirm that song. 
If they can't sing, you can affirm it by saying, I love the words to that song. The words to that song were so powerful. If somebody says that to you, just know they, they're probably saying you can't sing. There's no room for the comparison game, guys. Comparison is the enemy of greatness. And we have to step into a place that we stop the comparison game. And here's what we're going to do as a community when we do that. We're going to release the greatness. We're going to affirm the greatness in people. We're going to call out the greatness in people. There's some people that need to know that God has put something in them. There's some people that need to know that, that they have a gift from God that may not look like everyone else's gift. But God is going to use them to do some special things. But it has to come from us, the body of Christ. Because if it doesn't come from us, who is it going to come from? Oftentimes, we have people in the body of Christ, they begin to use their gift. They receive no affirmation, and guess what they do? They go to the world, and the world gives them all the affirmation that they want. And we wonder why so many people leave the church to display their gifts in the world. It's because the church was not ready to affirm what God had placed in them. I'm saying some of you have some peculiar, some peculiar gifts. Some gifts, some gifts I don't even understand. But I'm willing to take a step back, to observe, to look at the gift and realize somebody needs to use that, see that gift, that artistic gift that you have. The way you show up in a room, that's a gift of leadership. That's a gift of creativity. That's a gift of influence. God wants, wants to use that gift to draw people to him. Like I believe there's some people online right now. You hadn't been in a church in a long time, and you just stopped by. I'm saying God wants to use you. God wants to do something special in your life. And he may not want to just use you in the church. He may want to use you in the world. And you know he's speaking to you. I feel that right now. Somebody, God is calling you to partner with him and do something great, but you've kind of been taking a step back because you don't believe that it's, that, it's, that it's sacred enough. I'm saying God can use that gift. All you have to do is give it to him, and he'll use it. Now, I believe that's for somebody else in the room also, that God wants to use your gift. Stop putting it on the back burner. But here's what I would tell you. When people affirm it and call it out, what you have to do is you have to step up to the plate. If someone calls it out of you, you have to be willing to step up. Have the courage. Have the courage. Someone say courage. Have the courage to step out. Have the courage to step out and do what God called you to do. Because sometimes... People don't affirm you because they don't know what's in you. Some of us have been in hiding. Some of us are amazing cooks and you go home and you cook these delicious meals for yourself. <laughs> Share that meal. Matter of fact, the next time you hear about me at Hamilton Mill, I'm going to be out there just bring it in with some aluminum foil on top. Because if you don't have aluminum foil on top, it ain't, it ain't good. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. But we have these crazy gifts, these amazing gifts that we just kind of put on the shelf and we go at it alone, but God wants to use those gifts. So becoming a community of greatness, number one, we have to uh, understand that we're called to affirm, uh, that we're called to rule together. Number two, we're called to affirm one another. And number three, we're called to step out of the boat. We're called to get out of the boat, guys. Now, 
Very, very familiar story. Matthew chapter 14. Um, Jesus has just gotten finished preaching. And he goes, uh, he tells the disciples, I want you to go, on to the, go over to the other side. And he goes away to pray. And while they're on their way to the other side, a storm rises up. Um, and I want to start this at verse uh, 24. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting very heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. Now, I don't know about you, but something coming toward me in three, at 3 o'clock in the morning, that's pretty scary. And it was scary to them. He came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. How many of that? Would that have been you? It would have been me. They said, it's a ghost. And Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, Peter was crazy. <laughs> if it's you, call me to walk out on the water. I want you to just understand this. Like, that level of faith right there is monumental. But if we go on in the story, we're going to go on in the story. I'm going to kind of show you what happens in this. Because Peter starts out in some very strong faith. If it's you, call me to walk out on the water. And so he said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said to him, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Now, here's what we do. Some people, we look at Peter and we look at the last sentence. Why did you doubt me? But here's what I want you to know. Peter was the only one that got out of the boat. Everyone else was staying comfortable in, in their safe place. Here's what, I, here's what I'm saying to you. In order for you to do what God has called you to do, you're going to have to take courage and be willing to step out off the boat. You're going to be able, you're going to be willing to step out on the water. And here's what I will tell you. There's never going to be a great time to do the greatest things. That's not going to happen. I want you to notice, this is the worst time that Peter can step out on the boat. The wind is blowing against him. The waves are coming up everywhere. But in the midst of the waves and the winds, he has a word from God to do something, a word from Jesus to do something. So in that, he doesn't obey the wind and the waves. He's not looking at the circumstances saying, you know what, it's not time yet. It's going to be too hard right now. The economy is down right now. My dog has to go into surgery. All types of problems happen that cause us to put on the back burner the things that God has called us to do. That's not what Peter did. Peter said, Lord, are you calling me to do it? Jesus said, yes. So what does Peter do? He steps out. I'm saying to us, some of you have been waiting for perfect circumstances for you to step out and do that thing that God called you to do. There's never going to be a perfect situation. You just have to step out in faith and see yourself walking on water just like Peter did. 
Walk on water like Peter. Now, here's what I'll tell you. Just because you begin to walk on water doesn't mean that you're gonna, not going to have some challenges. You know, Paul said, a great door of opportunity is open to me, but there's much adversity. Anytime you're pressing into what God has called you to do, there's going to be some adversity. Number one, there's going to be adversity from the enemy. Sometimes there's going to be adversity from people. But most of all, there's usually adversity from yourself. Because you're going to be the main person telling yourself, I can't do this. You're walking on water and, and you're saying to yourself, I'm not supposed to be walking on water. I'm not supposed to be doing this. But Jesus, when you begin to sink, I want you to know as you begin to walk towards him, you won't sink too low. He'll pick you back up and keep you on the mission that God has assigned for you. You know, he didn't have to pick up the other disciples because they never got out of the boat. Never got out of the boat. But Jesus is calling you to get out of the boat. Now, if that's you, and you know, look, the Lord is calling me to step out on the water. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make up in your mind and say, Lord, I will step out. Make up in your mind and say, Lord, I'm coming towards you. I'm pressing towards the mark for the high calling of Christ, the high call in Christ Jesus. Jesus has so much for you on the other side of your obedience. He has so much for you. You can't imagine the things that God wants to do through us and with us if we would just partner with people, affirm the greatness that others have, allow ourselves to be affirmed, and step out into what he's called us to do. Amen. Now, here's what I would say to this. You know, Peter was the only one that got out of the boat. Sometimes people cannot affirm what they do not know. So sometimes in order for us to be affirmed, we have to take those first steps. You, you, you have to start writing the book. No one's going to write it for you. You, you have to open your mouth and begin to sing. No one's going to sing for you. You have to write the business plan. No one's going to do that for you. You have to step into a place of community so that someone can see the gifts that is inside of you and begin to call it out of you. You know, I remember the first time someone saw something in me. I was nine years old, and I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, I was at the boys' club, and we were about to have a talent show. I wasn't in the talent show. I didn't sign up for it. But there was this uh, group of teenagers, 12 to 14, that they were, uh, they signed up to sing in the talent show. And they had one of the leaders that was trying to coach them into singing. And so this group of teenagers was, was singing, they were practicing, and I was over in the corner by myself just kind of singing the song to myself. And the guy heard me singing. And so he called me over, he called me over into the group. He said, can you sing background with these guys? So I came into the group, nine years old, I began to sing background. And I used to, we, we were singing this song by this group called New Edition. How many of you know who New Edition is? Somebody just got finished listening to it on the way to church. <laughs> <Not just. laughs> we were singing this song, we were singing this song called, Is This the End? Come on, somebody. Back in the day. So we began to sing, and as we were singing, the guy noticed, he's like, you know what? This young fella can sing better than all these old dudes. 
So he asked me, would I lead the song? And I said, well, yeah, I'll lead the song. So I led the song, and we won the talent show. Now, listen. I'm not, now, look, I'm not saying I'm the greatest singer. I'm just saying I was greater than anybody who was singing that day. But he saw something in me and called it out of me. Who knows? If I would have not had that moment to stand before people and sing that song, scared, afraid, the youngest person in the group saying, is this the end? Had I not done that, who knows if I would even be on this stage right now? Who knows if I would still be in my shell, still in the corner, waiting on someone to call something out of me? There's a number of you that you're waiting on someone to call something out of you. Here's what I'll tell you. When they call you forth, you need to step out. When they see something in you, you need to step out. Some of you have a leadership gift to recognize giftings in other people. And here's what you do oftentimes. You see giftings in other people, and you know there's something about that person, but you don't say anything. Here's what I'll tell you. That's a pastoral anointing. When you see something in sheep, when you see something in people, and you call it out of them. That's a five-fold ministry gift that you see people and you edify them and you encourage them. You equip them to become great. That's a gift. Don't stand on the sidelines. When you see somebody who has something great in them, affirm them. Speak life into them. God is calling us to take it a notch higher. But we have to be willing to step out. Somebody say step out. Step out. Somebody has to step out today. Now... I would say this, in order for us to have that level of affirmation and, and allow somebody to call things out of us, we have to be in community. We, we have to be around people. And oftentimes, we don't want to be close, up close with people because we don't, be, we want, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be accountable. But God is calling us into a place of vulnerability. What that looks like is this. You have to share your dream with someone. You have to tell someone. Sometimes we're afraid to tell someone because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want people to say, well, you can't do that. But here's what I know. If you tell someone in this room or someone on the, under, the sound of my vo under the sound of my voice online, we're, we're hearing today that we're going to look at you in the eyes and we're going to affirm what God has put inside of you. But we're not just going to allow you be allow you to be vulnerable, we're also going to call you into accountability. Now, oftentimes we use accountability just to stop people from doing the don't do's. I'm going to hold you accountable not to watch porn. I'm going to hold you accountable for all the things that you shouldn't do. But here's what I want you to notice in what we're talking about. We're talking about emancipating greatness. We need to hold people accountable for the greatness God has in them. We need to hold them accountable to the book that they are supposed to write. That book that you were, you were vulnerable enough to tell me about, I'm going to hold you accountable. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Write the first sentence. Write the first paragraph. Write the first chapter. The whole book is not going to come at one, at one time. You just have to begin. Get the pen by the notepad. Whatever you need to do to inspire yourself to do it. Because what we're going to do as, a, as a, uh, a community of affirmation, a community of greatness, what we're going to do is look at you and call what's in you out of you and allow you to step into the calling that God has for you.
to step into a place that you see the goodness of God on your life, you embrace it, you receive it, you walk in it, and also you confidently bring that greatness to other people and call it out of other people. When we do that, there's nothing in the world that can stop the movement that God has on this church. When we do something like that, there's many people that are waiting on the sidelines. They're waiting on someone to tell them about Jesus. They're waiting on a gift that can inspire them to come to Jesus. And that gifting is inside of us. God is inside of us reconciling people back to him. But we have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone. We have to be, step, have to be willing to step into the calling that God has for us. So today, I'm calling us to be a community where God emancipates, emancipates his greatness in the midst of us, in our midst. Now, I have two things, two things that we can do, two things to do in order for us to step into this. Now, you walked in, you saw all the balloons, you saw the community banners. The reason for that is because in order for us to really step into emancipating greatness, we have to be around people. So there's two, two ways you can do that. Number one, you can become a part of the small group community. You can join in with some people. Um, some of you are in the room, you're already a part of small groups, and you're waiting on people to, to, to come into your small group so that you can affirm them. Some of you just need to be close enough to some other people that they can know you because if they don't know you, they cannot affirm what they don't know. And you need to allow yourself to be in the presence of some people. And some of you are called to be leaders. Some of you have been waiting. You're saying, you know what? I've been thinking, I was thinking about being a small group leader in 2018. I was saying I was going to be a small group leader, leader in 2019. And then I said in 2019, I was going to be a small group leader in 2020. Well, you know what happened in 2020, Pastor? COVID happened. So I guess I'll be a small group leader in 2021. Listen, you need to start today. Don't, don't put it off because here's what I know. I know that there were some people that was waiting on your assignment in 2018 that would have started a business by now. There's some people that was waiting on your assignment in 2018 who would have launched into some things that, that, is, uh, that will change the world. So it's important for us to step into that call. All you have to do is just sign up, become a part of the community, step into leadership. And then some of you, some of you, you need to serve. Now, when I'm talking about serving, I'm not saying serve where the need is. I'm saying serve where you're passionate. And if you don't see it in a church, find somewhere, find somewhere to serve where you're passionate. Some of you have gifts of leadership. Some of you have gifts of administration, and you need, you need to serve. Some of you are preparing to go on the mission field, but all the flights are shut down right now. There's a mission field right in your neighborhood. There's a mission field right down uh, around the corner. There's people, all, wherever there's people, there's a mission field. But sometimes we have to just step into a place of serving so that the gift can come alive in us. Now, some of you, you have a gift to sing. You need to, be, you need to let that gift out. Now, I'm saying that that's if you can sing today. Not three years from now, but that you can sing today. But I'm saying to us, we need to allow the gifts that God has put inside of us to come out. And some of you, I'll say this, 
some of you need to receive the greatest gift. The greatest gift we ever received. Well, 25 years ago, I was on my mother's living room floor and I received the greatest gift that I could ever receive, which was Jesus coming into my life. I was a young man, beat up by the world, 21 years old, didn't know where to turn. And I knew there was something about me that God was calling me into something greater. And I made the decision that changed my life. I said, Jesus, if you're real, won't you come into my heart? Give me a new life. I'm saying to some of you today in here and also some of you online, Jesus wants to give you a greater life. He came that you might have life and that you will have it more abundantly. That's why he came. He didn't come so that he can take away your life. He came so that he could give you life. And some of you have been struggling with that. You've been thinking about, you know what, if I give my life to God, I can't do this, I can't do that. No, 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 here's what I'm, if you give your life to God, you're going to be everything that he called you to be as you surrender to him. But you have to make a decision to allow greatness to come inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Some of you are here today and you know what, you've experienced this new life, but you kind of just got distracted. You got busy doing the mundane things. You got busy doing the good life. You know, the good life, a wife, a spouse, a house, two kids and a dog. But God has called you to do, to live a great life. So he wants to bring you from that because you're frustrated, you're not fulfilled, and God wants to bring fulfillment back into your life. If you want to receive Jesus today or if you're coming back to him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Let's just pray it with some conviction. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that God raised him from the dead. And because of him, I can have salvation and deliverance. Now, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I say, take this burden away from me. Take my sin and Cast it as far as the east is from the west. Allow your Holy Spirit to come live in me and give me newness of life. I receive your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen.